joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development across our state. Hosted by me, Jeff Rent, and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. Chances are, if you've been involved in economic development and corporate recruitment during the last few years, you've heard discussions about Opportunity Zone funds or new market tax credits. Both of these programs are focused on encouraging investment and development in low-income communities across the country. While these programs may have similar goals, knowing which program may be the best option for you or your client often takes the guidance of an expert. Joining us today is certified public accountant Kathy Gelston, who is a financial analyst with Vision First Advisors. Kathy has nearly 30 years of executive-level public sector experience, previously serving as the Associate Vice President of Corporate Engagement and Economic Development at Mississippi State University, and as Chief Financial Officer for the Mississippi Development Authority, the state's lead community and economic development agency. Please welcome Kathy Gelston to Mississippi Prospects. Hey, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming in. And full disclosure, you and I work together at MDA. Absolutely. And I can honestly say I learned a lot about the financial side of economic development working with you. Well, you know, for many, many years, up until very recently, incentives and the financial side was the deciding factor for most companies. Job market has become the leading decision maker, but incentives and the financing structure is still a very important part of any economic development project. Yeah, they definitely come into play on every project or nearly every project. Absolutely. I, think I had my first one uh, that I'm working on currently that said we don't want any incentives and they're very secure company and uh, just looking for a new home. There are those. And, you know, it's great the companies that that realize that sometimes communities can't afford to put a lot of money in and they want to be a part of the community. Those are the projects that you're always excited when you get an opportunity to work with. I've told a lot of people about that. I had calls from the media in the past and they asked me about a project that when I was with the state, we were actually were not directly involved with because the company did it on their own. And I said, that actually means we're doing our jobs well, that we've created an environment where a company can do these types of projects, expansions, new locations without state or any type of government assistance. That's exactly right. Another really big uh, issue is timing. Sometimes incentives and our state level programs slow slow the process down and some companies can just operate so much more quickly without going through the processes that they make that decision. So we got a couple of programs that we're going to talk about a lot of discussion about these. One of them much newer. I know the new market tax credits have been around since I believe about 2000. Um, But before we talk specifically about those programs, let's talk about the importance of due diligence before you pursue non-standard sources of funding. What are the first steps? There's been a lot of talk and there's a lot of great sources of information on what I call standard incentives, which would be your tax credits, your abatements of certain taxes, uh, your reduction in rate, maybe on sales and use tax. Those incentives are very standard and most of those are statutory for the state. But what I've kind of concentrated on today are, are those opportunities that you have to deal with gaps in, in a project funding. Um, you know, everybody wants free money. Everybody's looking for the grant. And when you can get them, those are great. But a lot of times 
there's a gap in a project financing. Maybe you've got a $15 million project and you have all the financing except $2 million, let's just say. That's called a gap. And so what you're looking for is gap financing. And that's usually the hardest type of funding to find. And so there's two great federal programs, the New Markets Tax Credit Program and the Opportunity Zone Program that provide some assistance to to our our um, low income census tracts. You know, it's easy to in very hot markets and in areas where there's natural growth, it's a lot easier to find those funds than it is if we're from a rural community like I am or from an area of a city uh, like Jackson that's maybe uh, experiencing more of a downturn. So those low-income census tracts, which are, devi- are, are, def- are federally defined, are the areas that these two programs work best in. Let's start with Opportunity Zone. Can you give me just a brief description of what that means and what that entails? And then we'll move on to new market tax right. credit. Um, and from an Opportunity Zone standpoint, I'm not going to give you a legal dis- de- description. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you um, how it works. What the Opportunity Zone... Uh, statute did was it allows for high income individuals who have capital gains to take that capital gain and before taxes reinvest that gain in a low income census tract and get a reduction in the taxes on those capital gains um, early. And then that money that was invested in the Opportunity Zone project um, has Uh, And I'm going to have to use a tax term here, but it's going to have an adjusted basis, which means that all the money that they earn during that first eight year period is not subject to tax. So, for example, if I um, bought a million dollars worth of stocks back in 2009, let's say. And so 10 years later, I I decide on January 1, 2020, that I'm going to sell that stock. I have a, 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 and when I sell that stock, I get $2 million for it. I get a million dollars of my, of return on on my investment, Mm -hmm. but I have a million dollars worth of profit and that's called a long-term capital gain. And um, so if I have a long-term capital gain and uh, without the opportunity zone, I'm going to pay 20% taxes on that million dollars or $200,000. What the opportunity zone allows you to do is to take that million dollars in profit and invest it in a low income census tract through an opportunity zone fund. And that million dollars, if it's invested for five years, you only pay tax on $900,000 on it. And if you leave it in for seven years, you pay on $850,000 on it, which means that you have $150,000 of long-term capital gains that are untaxed. and which is a benefit to that tie-in taxpayer. But also, if they leave that investment in until 2026, then everything that investment is made from the date it went into effect uh, and until it was placed in service until uh, that date, any appreciation on that asset is not subject to tax. To me, that's the bigger opportunity. Um, the projects that we've seen work really well for opportunity zones are commercial real estate, mixed use developments, um, ha- uh, multifamily housing. Unfortunately, it's not as it doesn't work as naturally for our industrial projects, which would mm-hmm. be wonderful from an economic development standpoint. But what we've seen is, especially in some inner cities, in uh, some really large markets, this has been a tremendous boom. 
And what I think people need to understand is the individual investing uh, to defer their capital gains, they need to invest in an opportunity zone fund, which then does the investment in these different projects. Absolutely. And it, I know I've, I've talked to several of our economic developers here in Mississippi, and they've said, well, I have a high-end taxpayer in my area, and he wants to invest his money in this business. And it's not it's not quite that simple. It's true that the IRS allows you to make an election and you can put your money into a single member uh, opportunity, opportunity zone fund. So if you see um, OZF, that's what it stands for, opportunity zone fund, and then that fund can be invested in a project. But um, there's there's a lot of timing issues. If if I if we go back to my example with the stocks that I sold on January one of two thousand twenty, I have one hundred and eighty days to get that money invested into a project. Um, so I want to take that money and I want to get it invested immediately in order to be able to meet all my IRS requirements. One thing to keep in mind is that all of the opportunities on rules and regulations are being promulgated through the IRS. There's still a few uh, technical issues that we haven't even gotten final um, rulings on. For example, if you hold an asset past that 2028 deadline, what happens? So um, those are the kind of things. And uh, as I talk to most of the economic developers, I'll say, guys, y'all know I'm not one of those people that says go out and hire somebody. (laughs) But I'm telling you, go out and hire somebody. I even told the group earlier this morning, it's not like it's a Holiday Inn Express. You don't become an expert overnight. (laughs) We're going to have to go out and find those attorneys, number one, that understand all of the gotchas, because like I said, this is IRS regulation. And number two, you need to make sure that the fund that you're putting your money into is going to be invested appropriately. So it really does take a tax professional to be able to help you make to to um, make sure all the I's get dotted and the T's get crossed. Are there penalties for early withdrawal or is it just prorated based on how Actually, long you put Actually, what it happens in? is you just pay taxes on that whole million dollars. Okay. So there's no penalties. But what happens is you don't get the benefit of the tax reduction on your basis and you don't get change in your basis of the asset that you that you invest in. So something you just touched on uh, about getting a professional, this sounds like uh, this program would be beyond uh, the capabilities of probably most you know, local municipal attorneys representing a jurisdiction. Uh, these are complicated programs. They are. And as we talk about with New Markets Tax Credit, this is an area of law that people specialize in. It's generally your 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 attorneys that do complex finance transactions, your guys that do bond financing or municipal uh, financing. Those are the guys that have the ability um, to really understand those tax strategies. And every uh, large law firm in Jackson, we have a number of them, have uh, attorneys that are specializing in this. Let's talk about new market tax credits real quickly. And while they may have similar goals, mm-hmm. uh, the, like the Opportunity Zone Fund, uh, operates differently, though. Right. How does it work? When we talk about the Opportunity Zone, a lot of times um, people mistakenly think that this is cheap money. It is not cheap money. This is money where the federal government is subsidizing an investor to choose to to locate in a low-income census tract rather than to put their money in a safer area. 
The money is not cheaper, and there is no free money associated with that. Uh, what it is is it's purely to encourage development in those in those um, more economically challenged areas. New Markets Tax Credits wants to accomplish the same thing, but they do it in a very different way. Um, the, the New Markets Tax Credit Program, like you said, has been around since um, about 2000. Uh, in Mississippi, it really didn't start getting used very much until after Hurricane Katrina when there was a set aside of New Markets Tax Credits just for the hard hit states related to Hurricane Katrina. And that's when the state of Mississippi started to really take advantage of, of that program. What it does is the federal government... Um, passes a law that provides a certain dollar amount of allocation to the Department of Treasury. And the Department of Treasury um, awards that allocation to um, special purpose entities called community development entities. We have a few in Mississippi like uh, Hope Enterprise uh, Hope Enterprise Corporation and Muni Strategies and um the Three Rivers Planning and Development District have CDEs. Those are our Mississippi-based ones, but there's a lot of um, out-of-state CDEs that list Mississippi as part of their footprint, or they are willing to do projects nationally. So there's opportunities for um, these community development entities that have an allocation to uh, select a Mississippi project and put allocation in there. And what happens when a when a project gets allocation? Um, funding goes into the project and there is a 39% federal income tax credit that gets generated for the project. Now, um, in early models, a lot of times that 39% tax credit went back to the investor and the, in the interest rate, which created a much lower interest rate for the project. And that's certainly possible now. But most of the time now, the, the federal income tax credits get separated from the project and sold. So that 39% federal income tax credit gets sold on the tax markets, which there's a market for ta- yes. for, for federal income taxes. And it's about 85% of the face value. So that $3.9 million times 35% um, is, is what the cash that would be available. But that money doesn't all go back into the project because this is some of the most complex financial transactions that you can put out there. There's very specific rules about how long the investment has to stay in. For for example, the investment has to stay in that low-income census tract for seven years. So the, the, the taxpayer who buys these credits wants to make sure that they're protected. So there's a set of attorneys to just protect the taxpayer who buys the credits. There's a set of attorneys to make sure that the money, uh, that the allocation is done correctly so the federal government doesn't, doesn't recapture those credits. So uh, I say all that to say that 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 39% federal uh, income tax credit, when it gets monetized after it's sold, that's what it's called, it's monetized, the benefit back to the project is usually about 22 or 23%. So rather than get on a $10 million project, project rather than getting $3.9 million, you're getting about $2.28 million a year. It's about average. And that covers all the legal fees to the attorneys, the closing costs, the annual uh, maintenance fees on the programs and all. But the great thing about that $2.2 million on that $10 million project is it becomes substitute equity in the project. 
or so like, like we like to say it in economic term, economic development terms, free money back to the project. <laughs> so that $2.2 million, as long as all the rules are met, becomes equity directly to the company that's that's being created or, is, or that's expanding. So that's a wonderful program. And in Mississippi, we even have a, um, a program called the Mississippi Equity Investment Credit, which is what I refer to as the Mississippi New Markets. That's a 24% credit over and above that. So that can also in- increase that $2.2 million up to 2.5 or 2.6. And it's a great way for us to augment projects. And it also encourages those investors to choose Mississippi. That's the reason that the state put this incentive out there, to choose Mississippi rather than to choose one of our neighboring states. So these programs are stackable with other incentives. Absolutely. Um, One of the best ways to stack these incentives, I think, is in renovation of historic buildings. Historic tax credits, and again, we have a state and a local version, work beautifully with new markets tax credits. We've seen it work on the Standard Life Building. Um, I think the, the, the uh, the throughput building they're trying to work, trying to renovate in Meridian, they're stacking those credits. It's a wonderful way to preserve some of our great buildings. As a matter of fact, at Mississippi State University, uh, the credits were used to renovate Lee Hall. Let's go back real quickly and talk about the pros and cons of each of these programs. Right. It's probably a longer list because we have more experience with new market tax credits mm-hmm. and opportunity zones. I, uh, appears to me anyway. Uh, admittedly somewhat ignorant (laughs) about the program uh, that we're still figuring out the guidance. But so I think probably easier. Let's start with new market tax credits, pros and cons. Okay. So the benefit for new markets tax credits is it allows projects that have a gap in financing to get some substitute capital, some substitute equity through that credit Mm -hmm. to the sale of those credits to, to put projects in those low income census tracts. It, it is, um, probably the best kind of gap financing because it doesn't have to be repaid. Um, That's, I mean, that's the obvious benefit. You know, your challenges with new markets is um, because of the complexity of the project and the complexity of the number of legal, um, uh, the number of financial professionals you have to have working on the project, timing is always a challenge. You're usually looking at a minimum of six months to get a new market transaction from the time you say, this is the way I'm going to go to get it completely closed. Um, so there's a timing issue. And then also, um, like I said, unlike the the opportunity zone, where as many people as we can find to invest, they can have it. Uh, the federal government limits the amount of new market tax credits each year statutorily. So there's only a certain amount of credits. And um, because we're a small state, we're, we're um, significantly rural and we're not very densely populated. Projects generally, um, if they have their druthers and they're not a Mississippi company, they'd rather put their credit somewhere where they feel like it's safer. It's a perception thing. It's not a real thing, but it's but that's mm-hmm. what we see. And then, you know, the other challenge we have, especially on the Mississippi credit side, is in Mississippi, the statute specifically prohibits um selling Mississippi income tax credits. So there's some real structuring things that have to happen on the on the front end to make sure that you can get those Mississippi income tax credits to a a, a, a taxpayer who can use them. 
How about with the Opportunity Zones, the newer program? Well, I mean, you know, the benefit to, to that program and exactly what I believe that the administration was trying to do was to get people who have money. Uh, when you think about what's happened to the stock market in the past four years um, and the tremendous growth, we've created a lot of wealth and there's a lot of, of capital gains that are just still being parked somewhere because nobody wants to pay all, because those high end taxpayers don't want to pay all that tax. What that program does is try to get them to go and recognize those gains and move that money into some low income census tracts. So, you know, the real investment here, I mean, the real opportunity here is the movement of those, of those capital gains that are just sitting places back into growth in our economy. Outside of these two programs that we've been discussing, and honestly, I think we could probably fill an hour on each one and then some because they are so complex. Uh, let's talk about, you know, other options that may be considered. Right. And it's just not an unusual at all for us to find a project that is great, but um, and whether it's an existing industry or a new project and whether it's an existing company or a new a, a new company, that they have some type of gap in their financing. That That's completely normal. Now, I'd worry if that gap was more than half the project because that's going to be a tough hill to climb. But, you know, if there's certain, uh, but if there's a a relatively small percentage gap, then there are programs like the Economic Development Administration um, provides grants and loan programs. And a program that I think is just really underutilized in Mississippi is our rural development programs. They have a business and industry loan guarantee program that allows companies to um, secure a loan guarantee and use their own bank to secure funding for expansions. They can buy land. They can do construction. Um, they can buy equipment. They can even refinance, um, you know, at a lower rate, because a lot of times if you have that guarantee, you get a lower interest rate. Um, and those guarantees can, you know, they can do up to an 80% guarantee for up to a $5 million loan. And if you're looking from five to 10 million, they can do up to 70%. And they can go all the way up to 25 million and do almost a 60% guarantee. Uh, John Ronsville with, with RDA would absolutely love to talk to people about that program. Let's talk about where people can go for more information. How could they find you to learn more about this? <laughs> well, actually, I worked with, with a company called Vision First Advisors. We're a subsidiary of Butler Snow uh, Law Firm. And um, uh, my email and uh, uh, cell phone number are, are out on our website, which is visionfirstadvisors.com. All right, making tax credits and incentives sexy again. Kathy Gelston on Mississippi Prospects. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jeff. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by MWB Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.